welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 47th episode, our returning guest is Mallory Willits. You first heard Mallory Willits on episode 7 of the podcast. If you haven't heard that episode, you should probably go back and listen to it before starting this one. It'll make a lot more sense. This is going to be a bit different from any previous episode of the podcast. January 20th, Mallory left for a 10-day visit to Ghana, where her husband, Wisdom, lives. During her visit, Wisdom had his meeting at the American Embassy to see if his visa would be approved so he could come to America. Before Mallory left, I asked her to record some of her thoughts and feelings during her trip using the voice memo app on her iPhone. What you're about to hear is a collage of the sound clips she sent me, which include diary entries, ambient noises, and found music. And now on to the show. Okay, so the main thing that I have an issue with in Ghana, um, and there's really not very many things because the people in Ghana are so welcoming and so loving and so giving of visitors. Um, But my primary concern with Ghana, which I find interesting given the things that are going on in the U.S. right now, um, are the police officers. And the reason why I say that is when you drive on the roads in Ghana, every new town that you get to, there's like a stopping point, almost like an immigration stop, but they're police stops. And they can stop a car for any reason that they want. Um, If they see me being a white person in the vehicle, they will immediately stop the car. Um, And then they'll ask the driver, who's my husband, to get out of the car um, and pop the boot, they call it, which is the trunk. Um, And then they'll basically proceed to try and get him on anything that they can, be it not having a fire extinguisher in your car, um, not having your license on you, not having registration, not having a front and back license plate. And when they pass all of that, then they try and beg you for money in order to be able to let you go. So they basically hold you there until you give them something. And if they can't pin you on anything, um, then you don't have to pay them and usually you can go anyways. But if you happen to not have a fire extinguisher or not meet one of those qualifications, then they require that you pay them in order to get out of it. So in place of them writing you a ticket, you're essentially bribing them. And they assume that if you have a white person in your car, then you have money. So what they're looking for you to do is just automatically pay them off before they even get through those list of things. So... It's a pretty flawed system, and they don't want the white person to know that they're, like, interrogating the driver. That's why they have you pop the trunk, because they don't want to come off as, like, unwelcoming. But essentially, every time this happens, it makes me so angry with the police officers in Ghana, because it is the least welcoming thing that a country could do, especially when you're traveling, like, you feel... Like, you didn't do anything wrong and you were stopped for no reason. Um, And really, honestly, you feel like put in this um, bubble due to your race or because they know you're a foreigner or whatever the case may be. So, I'll touch base a little bit more on police officers later, but I just wanted to share that portion for now.
So like I previously mentioned, in Ghana, you have to have both a front license plate and a back license plate on your car. They're both like similar to the license plate that we would have on the back of our car, but your car is technically um, not like your... It would be like you driving without a license plate if you don't have both. So Wisdom... One of his front, his front license plate got stolen while I was there this last time. And during that, uh, during that time, he, uh, got stopped several times due to the fact that he didn't have this front license plate. And there's really only two cities in all of Ghana that you can get the license plate at. So it's not like you can just you know, oh, it goes missing and you can just go to a local shop. Like you have to drive an hour from his hometown or five hours to the capital, um, in order to get a new license plate. So we got stopped when we were headed back to Accra, the capital, um, to take me to my flight leaving. Um, during that stop, the officer mentioned the license plate, but it's not an offense in the way that you can like you know, arrest somebody or give them a ticket. It's just kind of like they give warnings about it because of the inconvenience of you trying to get a replacement for it. So they give you a little bit of leeway, but because they couldn't pin him on that, they decided that, um, they were going to search the rest of his car. So they asked him for a fire extinguisher. It wasn't his car. It's a borrowed car. So he opened the trunk, couldn't find one. They wrote him a ticket for that. They wrote him a ticket for tinted, um, tinted windows, and then in place of giving him this ticket, they also took his license, um, and basically gave him a court date, and so now he's in this position where he's supposed to drive without his license, and... I'm like, oh, heck no, you're not driving without a license because now if we get stopped at the next town, you are going to get a ticket for not having a license. So this is not good. So he calls his friend who is chief of police in a different city, gets him on the phone and has him talk to the officers, ends up having to pay the officers off 10 CDs in order to have the tickets ripped up and to get his license back. Um, but in the meantime, while all of this is going on, there's probably 15 other cars pulled over at this stop. And there is a woman pounding on the police officer's car because she's so upset um, that they've pulled her over for speeding. And there was no, like, indication of what, what the speed limit was in the town prior to reaching it. They were sitting at the sign. But she's literally pounding on the police officer vehicle, essentially cussing them out in her language. And, um, they're, you know, they've given her several tickets for this, but other than that, they're just telling her she needs to leave. I just wanted to further discuss the police dynamic there because I think that's really interesting. If you were to behave that way in the U.S. towards a police officer, regardless of their, if they're right and wrong or wrong, the reaction and the response of that police officer and the consequences for you would be much different. But in Ghana, they don't really hold this um, 
position of power other than the fact that they can write you tickets. Um, civilians are given the ability to speak their minds, even in a not respectful manner to the police officers without any consequences. So I just thought that was really interesting and wanted to share that difference with you. took me to the local jail. Apparently, he likes to go to the jail every Sunday, and he takes ice cream to the inmates. Um, There's really no protocol in Ghana. Like, any civilian can go visit inmates. You don't have to have any special clearance, and you don't have to have any relation to them. And they'll actually just let you right into the area that they're, they're living quarters. Essentially, they live in, like, two cells or the equivalency of two cells here in the U.S., but about 20 of them live in that the two-cell space, so approximately 10 in each cell. It's really small living quarters, and they have anywhere between like 15 to 30 inmates at a time within this facility, and I was asking Wisdom about how they determine how long somebody stays um, in the jail or really even if somebody's arrested. So he was explaining to me that anyone can really make an accusation. Um, For example, there was somebody that was living on someone else's land. So another person within that community went and reported the person for living on another individual's land. Um, And until the complaint is dropped... He essentially could be in there for years. Um, Unless he knows someone or has connections um, until the person reporting the complaint feels like it's time, then there's really no procedure. So you could murder someone and be in there for a month or you could be in there for six years or 10 years or whatever, but there's really no there's really no structure and it's different for everyone. So it's not like everyone who murders someone gets the same sentence and there's really no rules or regulations that they abide by. Um, it's kind of like another person's word against your own. And if you have several people, um, reporting something against you and you don't have any connections to the police, you don't know any of the police officers, then the chances of you staying in there longer are much higher than if you know someone um, or have the money to bail yourself out. And they usually put extremely high bails on you, so much so that it's really not even reasonable for somebody to get out. So I just thought that was really interesting. I know that our prison system is flawed, but um, I certainly thought the comparison between the two systems um, was rather intriguing and I'd almost be interested to researching it be, research it more to see you know 
exactly like if if there's anything in writing in regards to their um, correctional facility. Um, I hope you find that as interesting as I did, but I just wanted to share that little tidbit. Sorry, but I just have to record this extremely comical moment. My husband was heating me up some... Basically, it's kind of like hot chocolate, but they call it Milo. Well, he was going to put it in this, like, metal mug, essentially, and put it in the microwave. And I quickly informed him that, hey, um, you're not going to heat that up in the microwave, are you? And he's like... Well, I was going to. What should I do? So I informed him he needed to put it in something that wasn't metal. I said, you know, metal in a microwave is really not a good idea. And he said, I wondered that because I've microwaved metal before and it sparkles. Yeah. (laughs) He said it sparkles. I think we can put two to two together and figure out what the microwave was doing. But... I just found that pretty interesting. It's the little things. Like, microwaves are not that popular in Ghana. So, he had no idea that you couldn't microwave metal. So, I just wanted to share that funny story. And then they break up. So, you sell them for you. Then you take your money. Before you go, you go back. Oh, I go buy some property. And they say they go pay compensation. They go pay half. Hey, that one. Hey, like you die with us. <laughs> like you die with us. Your money vanished. Your money vanished. Hey, that one. You go sleep or you go see the dream. We did cry. We did cry. We did cry. So, that day's come. That long awaited day. For the interview for my husband. So we stand in the queue and it's probably a good 40 minutes till we get to the front. And when we reach the front, the gentleman tells my husband that he needs to inform me that I'm not on the appointment and therefore I won't be allowed in the embassy. This is the American embassy, I'm an American citizen yet I'm not allowed in. I'm the one who petitioned and I'm the one who filed. I'm the one who spent thousands of dollars to file for my husband to be here. And they won't let me in the doors. So I kindly walk away and go sit outside on one of the rocks near a tree. I sit there for about two hours before my husband comes out. His head is down. He won't look up at me. He looks discouraged. I'm suddenly starting to panic. As if I wasn't already panicked for the two hours that I was sitting there. As I was constantly going through prayers in my head and trying to calm my nerves. By the time he reaches me, he he still doesn't break a smile. He looks upset. 
as my eyes begin to fill with tears, that's when he smiles and said, we did it. We made it. We got approved. I come and pick it up in two weeks. So in that moment, I'm like, oh shit. Like, how are you going to do that to me? Well, you'd think that we could celebrate and that all the stress could just be relieved after all this filing of almost two years of preparations and hard work and pleads and paperwork. But then reality sinks in and I'm like, wow, we have a whole lot of planning to do. We've got to figure out when he can come financially how we're going to afford the flight and we have a lot of other things to consider like how he's going to adjust and what all we need to do once he gets here. The preparations are just beginning. So needless to say as, as relaxing as I wish the rest of my trip was it's really not going to be. congratulate Mallory and Wisdom on their successful visa application. I understand Wisdom is on the way to America as we speak. I wish you both a long and happy life together.
you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast everywhere it's available, which includes iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. It really helps. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.